0: Grace and peace to you this morning. What a blessing it is to, to be with you here today, gathered together uh, in God's presence. We're also grateful for all those who are joining us online and, and worshiping, worshiping with us there. Uh, you know, that, that is a wonderful blessing that uh, there's sometimes um, times when people cannot be with us physically, and so we have this blessing that they now can be with us um, through the internet. You know you look around what's going on in our world today you may think uh, how can i make a difference and uh, there, there are ways to make a difference and we have some here we have the adopt a kid in the back if, if you see that sign up sheet you might want to add your name to that and you can make a difference in someone's life uh, uh, the life of a young child um, we also have this thing that we're starting on wednesday night with uh, showing the chosen and it's a great opportunity for you to invite someone that you know, maybe someone in the community, to come and watch that with us and to learn about Jesus. We're starting an important, lesson, or important series, I believe, uh, this Sunday um, on identity. And we're going to explore this. This is one of those series where you really need to tune in every week. Uh, we're going to build upon each lesson. And we're going to look at some things going on in our culture That uh, maybe you don't know about or realize that have to do with identity and what Scripture has to, to say about that. We're going to begin with a reading from God's Word. This is Psalm 139. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. If I make my bed in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the othermost parts of the sea, even there you, your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, "Surely the darkness shall cover me and the light about me be night," even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you, Formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Who am I? This is a question that we. All ponder at various points in our life. And whether you realize it or not, identity is a huge part of our culture. We obsess over who we are and what kind of image that, that we are presenting to others. Many of the choices that we make are, are based on how we are going to be perceived. We have to take that perfect image so that we can post it on social media. We buy clothing and hats with, with messages to tell people who we are. We put stickers on our vehicles. We fly flags. We shop at certain companies. We buy certain products because we want to be perceived in a certain way. And so do you buy you know Starbucks coffee or Black Rifle coffee? We used to just buy coffee. But now even a, a simple purchase can say something about who we are. And we just kind of go along with it. And can companies continue to market this way because it's profitable. They know they're going to make money. Now all of this is kind of new. Uh, identity has never consumed people's thoughts and decisions in the way that it does now. Uh, in times past, for instance, uh, identity was something that, that was pretty much set at birth. And people gave very little thought to it. You were born in a certain place to a certain class of people and there was little hope that you were going to change any of that. You knew where you were going to live and you knew what you were going to do from a fairly early age. You wore clothes that didn't have any messages on them. You bought the same products that everyone else bought. And I think Most of us probably don't want to go back to a time like that where everything is set in stone. But it's important to understand how things have changed over the years. Our obsession with identity is something new. Now, this does not mean that identity is something that's unimportant. Not at all. The, The Bible has a lot to say about it. And so what we want to do in this series is explore some of these problems surrounding identity in our culture and then look to Scripture for guidance. Many people are just uncertain nowadays about their identity. And what we want to do is is we want to help people. We want to provide answers. And we believe that that God gives us the answers that, that we need. And so what is the problem? Well, there are many problems, but I want to focus on two big problems that, that a lot of people face today. And the first is confusion. And so we, we, we've gone from a culture where identity was, was pretty much settled um, to now where identity is something that, that you can be just whatever you want to be. And this change has not led to happiness, it's not led to fulfillment. We're, we're not better off because we have all these choices. What it's led to is confusion, and there's more anxiety and more depression in our world because of this unsettling. Some things that were never tied to identity in the past, things like sexuality, now are. Some things that we, just, we used to just never give much thought to, um, like gender, are now very complicated. And, and add to all this the pressures of social media, which is all about identity, whether you know it or not. That is, it's all wrapped up in identity. And, and what people are doing is they're presenting an image of themselves online and then sometimes altering their image based on likes. And so if you're on social media, what you do is you put a picture of yourself on your profile so people know who you are. But now um, you may have noticed a picture is not enough. We have to add a frame to that picture and we have to have a message that, that goes along with our picture to express our identity. We then have to go to the store and we have to buy the right products And we have to figure out, well, can I shop here or can I shop here? Where's the the right place to shop that lines up with my identity? And it's very confusing. Not only that, it's exhausting and it's unhealthy. And people are struggling mentally because we're forcing this upon them. Second problem is self-worship. And so we refuse to look beyond ourselves for help. And I hinted at this last week, if you were here and listening to that sermon, we worship the God of self in our culture. And, and this is one of the reasons why we are so divided nowadays. And it permeates all of culture, not just one aspect of it. You know, we might think, well, it's the other side. Well, no, it's, it's all of culture. We have the self-worship. And we want to do what we want to do, period. Well, that's not Christian. It's unbiblical. And it's also detrimental to the formation of identity. If we never look beyond ourselves, we're never going to form a healthy identity. We're never going to have healthy relationships. We're never going to be a productive member of society. We're never going to be who God wants us to be. Dr. Richard Beck addresses this problem in his latest book, Hunting Magic Eels. And this is what he says the modern self doesn't look outward and upward. The modern self turns inward and we find our purpose by going deep to discover our true selves and then staying true to that self, but therein lies the problem. I don't know if you've noticed, but it can be pretty hard to disentangle your inner demons from your true self. And our true identities are webs spun with avoidance and denial, which makes the quest for Authenticity, being true to yourself, a fool's errand. Our self deception handicaps our ability to live happily and healthily. So, to just kind of sum all that up in order to know ourselves, we have to look beyond ourselves. And so, we're going to explore more of what this means in the coming weeks. Uh, we're going to unpack some of this. However, notice what Dr. Beck describes as the problem. He says the modern self does not look beyond himself. Instead, what what the modern self does is turn inward. And he looks to himself, and this leads to all kinds of problems. So two problems we face are confusion and self-worship. So how do we form our identity? Well, our identity is comprised of many different components, And we see this in the pages of Scripture, but we must recognize that that none of these components that, that help to shape who we are are ultimate. And so there's something greater, and this greater thing is what we need to cling to. And so before we get to this greater thing and discuss all that, we want to take a look at some of the other elements that help to shape our identity and what Scripture has to say about them. And so if I were to ask you, who are you, who are you, what would you say? What would you talk about? You know, you, you might talk about your family, you might talk about your race, you might talk about your job uh, or the culture that you live in. Well, what roles do all of these have to play in our identity? Well, let's take a look for just a minute, and we're not going to be able to look at all of them, but we'll look at some of them, and hopefully you get the idea Because scripture comes back to the same answer with all of these. So race, there's been a lot of talk of race in recent months, um, and some want to make race sort of the ultimate issue, while others want to just ignore it altogether. And so, what does the Bible have to teach us about race and identity? You know, we always have to go back to scripture. Well, race makes an appearance fairly early in the pages of the Bible. Genesis 10 describes uh, people of different tribes, languages, and nations. And so this was uh, part of God's plan. He told Noah and his sons after the flood that they were to go forth and multiply. Same command that's given in the Garden of Eden. Gives it again after uh, the flood. And so diversity is not bad. Diversity is good. It's part of God's plan. Even in heaven, God recognizes diversity. It's not something that goes away. In Revelation uh, chapter 7, John receives a vision of heaven, and this is what is described there. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands. And so our ethnicity, our race, is part of who we are. But they're not the ultimate thing. And we're not to divide over race. And we're not to look down upon someone because, of another, uh, because they're another race. We're not to discriminate against other races. We're different. And, and what we do is we embrace our differences. And this is how God made us. And we don't have to be ashamed of it. And we don't have to deny our race or be embarrassed of it. We should all feel comfortable in our own skin. However, we need to recognize that, that race is just one small part of, I, of our identity. Uh, Christians are to look at race relations differently than the rest of the world. And, and we find this described in Ephesians 2, 13-14. In this passage, Paul is discussing this This division that's happening between Jews and Gentiles because they're of different ethnicity, different races. And this is what he writes to them. He says, but now, in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace who made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility. And so what Paul says is, We have peace in Christ. Um, Now, after he said this, Jews kept on being Jews and Gentiles kept on being Gentiles. They didn't ignore their race. They didn't pretend like they didn't have any race when they became a Christian. But they began to look at this issue differently. It was no longer the ultimate thing. And so as Christians, they were not going to See this as a matter of division. They understood themselves to be united in Christ. Now, sadly, this teaching has often been ignored throughout history. We would rather focus on our distinctions than focus on Christ. However, the truth of the passage cannot be ignored. Our race and ethnicity is part of who we are, but we're also much, much more. And Christ is greater than our race, and he is greater than our ethnicity, and we are all united in Christ. Okay, so what about culture? What role does culture play in the formation of our identity? The truth is, culture plays a huge role in who we are. We are born at a certain time, in a certain place, and this has a tremendous impact on us. Culture is all around us. It shapes us without even realizing it. Brian Rosner describes it this way. He says, thinking about your culture is like talking to a fish about water. The fish might wonder, what's water? You only notice your culture when you're not in it. And what Rosner is saying here is true. We are all products of our culture. And we often don't realize the the influence that culture has upon us until we're out of it. And so, in in fact, if you've ever traveled to a foreign country and you get away from your culture, you may experience something that's called culture shock. And this is a real condition where people are shocked or they're depressed as a result of being removed from their culture. Why? Why? because it is a very strong part of who we are. And you can even see this sometimes happen within a culture. And so uh, you know, we recognize that, that our own culture changes. And so as culture changes, a person may experience anxiety, depression, or anger. Many of us long for the culture of our youth. And we're forever tied to a time and a place And so culture and identity, they they go hand in hand. And the best that we can do is just sort of be aware of all this, be aware of its influence, try the best we can to embrace the good and reject the bad. So what does the Bible say about culture? In 1 Corinthians 9, verses 20 through 22, Paul addresses the issue of culture and how it relates to the Christian life. And he says, to the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I had become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. As Paul is going on these missionary journeys, he's encountering many different cultures. And he's in many different places around many different people. And yes, culture is a part of who we are. We can't change that. We cannot deny it. But when we become a Christian, culture is no longer ultimate in our lives. And we should be willing to lay down our culture and become something else in order to help spread the gospel. This is what Paul's talking about here our American culture, our southern culture, our Texas culture should never keep us from serving in the kingdom of God. And so being a Christian means that that we're now a part of something that is greater than our culture. And our future is not our past. It's not the, the time and place in which we were born. Our future is with God, and we are to seek first the kingdom of God, and that's where we should be focused on. All right, let's keep going. What about gender and sexuality? These are some big topics nowadays, and they're often associated with identity. Uh, they're discussed regularly in various contexts. Certainly, our gender plays a role in who we are. We are born. Um, a certain gender, and we cannot change that no matter what someone says. It, It is who we are. Now one of the problems we face today is that we've made this issue extremely confusing, and I'll just give you one example of this. On February 14th, 2014, Facebook made the following announcement. When you come to Facebook to connect with the people, causes, and organizations you care about, We want you to feel comfortable being your true, authentic self. You might recognize some of that language that Dr. Beck was talking about. An important part of this is the expression of gender, especially when it extends beyond the definitions of just male or female. So today, we're proud to offer a new custom gender option to help you better express your own identity on Facebook. And so you now, if you go to Facebook, have the option of choosing from over 50 different genders. And I want to suggest to you very kindly, very politely that that we're not helping people. That that we're confusing people and people are suffering because of it. Uh, Gender is tied to identity as Facebook acknowledges. And and what we're seeing now is, is just many people are confused about who they are. And so what does the Bible say? Well, in Galatians 3 and verse 28, we find there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And we have to be careful with this verse because it's sometimes misunderstood. But we should notice that it tells us here that our gender is not ultimate. And this is good news, Now being a male or being a female is still important. We have unique roles and unique gifts that are tied to our gender, but we're also more than our body parts. And this is the this is good news for a person who may be experiencing gender dysphoria. It's good news for people who are confused about gender issues the answer is not finding the right classification on a list of more than 50 or even inventing a new one. The answer is that you're more than your gender. What you are is you're a child of God and you're loved by the creator of this universe and you have a new identity in Christ. Sexuality is also something that gets tied to identity nowadays. Uh, it's, it's extremely important for, for people who identify as gay or lesbian. And, and first, we, we should note when we're talking about this, that this is, a, again, a new phenomenon. In the past, sexuality was always considered a behavior, and it had nothing to do with identity. It was not until the late 1800s that, that people began to use their sexuality as, as a label for who they were. Now, when we think about sexuality, we should spend some time thinking about Jesus. And, and um, I'm probably going to challenge you a little bit here this morning, but I think this is helpful. Uh, we should recognize that, that we follow a man who chose to be celibate. And that is almost incomprehensible to us as people who live in a post-sexual revolution world because we tie everything to sex, and sex is everything to us but it wasn't to Jesus. In fact, notice what he says in Matthew 19 and verse 12, a a verse that we just often completely ignore in our modern culture. He says, these are the words of Jesus, For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by men, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. And let the one who is able to receive this receive it. So Jesus here sees it as a good thing to be celibate for the kingdom of God. Now, he acknowledges here that this lifestyle isn't for everyone. He's not trying to push this off on everybody and saying, you all have to be like this. He says, this is only for some people. But he does say it's an option. And nowadays, we don't even see it as an option. And we don't talk about celibacy, even though Jesus does and Paul does. And the point is this: we are not defined by our sexual desires. The kingdom of God is more important than our sexuality. We can talk about disabilities. What about you know if we have a mental or physical disability? Again, this becomes a big part of who we are, a big part of our identity. We're known by these things. And and this was even a bigger issue in the ancient world because people with disabilities were given a lower status in society. And they were defined by this one thing. And everyone accepted this. No no one challenged it. No one thought about it until you get Jesus. And Jesus' disciples once asked him about a man who was blind. And their question to him was this, who sinned, this man or his parents? And so they were judging this man based on his disability. That's all they could see. And Jesus goes on to teach them that their thinking is incorrect. This man was not a sinner. His parents were not a sinner. Later in 1 Corinthians 1, through 28, we find this passage, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even the things that are not, to bring to nothing things that are. The world sees disabilities as negative. God sees them as something that he can use. And so our disabilities do not determine our worth. God determines our worth. And we are valuable in His eyes. And this is something you, you might think, well, I don't have a disability. But it's something I think nearly all of us wrestle with because what happens as we grow older, we begin to lose some of our abilities. And we cannot do what we once did. And this does not mean that we just step back and don't do anything anymore. We should see it as a new opportunity for God to use us. And so we just don't retire from the kingdom of God. What happens is God continues to work through us, even though our mental or physical capabilities may have changed. Because what God is telling us in the pages of Scripture is that we are more than our abilities. Now, you know I could go on and on this morning, and and we could talk about family, we could talk about age, we could talk about relationships, jobs, and more, but, but hopefully you kind of get the gist of what's happening here. All of these things do influence who we are. But what we see time and time again in Scripture is that none of these things are ultimate. And so we are more than our race, we are more than our ethnicity, we are more than our culture, we are more than our gender, sexuality, disabilities, family, age, and so on and so on. Our identity is ultimately shaped by who God says we are. And this is why to truly be known, we must look beyond ourselves. And the key to our identity is not within us. And if we continually look to ourselves, we're going to be disappointed, we're going to be frustrated, and we're not going to find satisfaction. So what we're going to do in the coming weeks, uh, you're going to have to come back or listen to these online again, We're going to turn our attention to God and his word. And we will not find our identity within ourselves. We're we're not defined by the world. What we'll learn is that God defines who we are. And we're going to turn to our maker and our creator for the answers that we seek. And and we're going to discover that that we find our true selves in Christ. And so if you are confused about your identity, many are. Don't be. Come back. We're going to talk more about this. And all these things that the world says are are ultimate to forming our identity. They're not. We've been given the wrong answers. We've been pointing the wrong directions. And it's time that, that we turn to Christ and learn who we truly are and embrace him. Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful for the opportunity to come here and worship you this morning, to be in your presence, to commune at your table, to praise and honor you. You are good, you are loving, you're graceful, you're merciful, and we thank you for all this. Father, we're so glad to learn this morning that, that, that we're more than all these other things that seek to define us in this world that we are ultimately defined by you and that we are your children and we know that we are loved by you and that you have formed us, you have created us for your purpose. I pray that we would come to know this more and more, that we would turn our attention to Jesus, that we would focus on Jesus more than anything else, that we would make Jesus the ultimate thing in our lives and that we would strive to discover our true humanity In Him. We pray all this in His name. Amen. Amen. We're grateful that you've chosen to be with us this morning to to worship in the presence of God. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his pace upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. If you have any.